Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And then 14 has mono and will be out for this game. So Trevor will be starting. And Luke Falk will get elevated at some point and be the backup. So that would be that. What, Adam Gase? Sam Darnold has mono? That is a rare injury report in the NFL. Rare report for an adult man that's not in college, I would guess. I don't know if Sam Darnold has a girlfriend. He had one as recently as January or February. That's what my brief Google search brought up. He'd been going out with the same girl for a long time. Nice-looking young lady. I don't know how he get the mono. You get it from sharing other things, drinking out of water, what have you, make-out parties in high school. It's a form of the herpes simplex. I think it's in the same – it's the Epstein-Barr. It's a type of Epstein-Barr virus, which is also the herpes virus, which is no big deal. I, I once did a tutorial on herpes, and it's far more common – oral herpes is far more common than people expect. If you've ever had a cold sore – You've got the herps, my friend. Anyway, he's going to be out for a little while. It's it sounds like a miserable illness. People that have said that have had it have said it's miserable, and it could last anywhere from a week or so to much longer than that. You could be contagious for up to eighteen months. So they're not going to be doing the old school ladling the water sharing. Do you remember in the old school days they used to use a ladle into a bucket to drink water out of? It's disgusting. They used to actually do that. People were filthy back in the day. That's why everybody died all the time. So Sam Darnold out. No shortage of drama when it comes to the Browns versus the Jets this week because Odell Beckham Jr. talked about how Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator for the Jets, remember he was with the Browns last year, teaches cheap plays to injure players. This is what Ob- Odell Beckham Jr. had to say about that. Defensive player friends that have played for him. Do you talk to them about his uh, yeah. dirty tactics? Yeah, what I mean, uh, I had people who, who were here when he was here telling us, um, you know, if you get a chance, take a shot at him. If you, if you can, you know, hurt him. I guarantee he's going to leave the game hurt and stuff like that. Look, every time I do this podcast, I tell myself, I'm not going to talk about the Browns again. And then this stuff pops up, partly because of the fact that they're playing the Jets, obviously. Odell Beckham Jr. has been in the news because he insists he's going to play with this $350,000 watch, which is asinine. I, I, almost, I almost am so angry about the fact that he made that an issue that I refuse to acknowledge it as an issue because it should be a trivial matter. Maybe it's been resolved. We, we shall see. You guys know how I feel about the Antonio Brown saga. It messed up my podcast last week, and then he went on to do about three more newsworthy things, including this. He messed up my interview with Ted Johnson. I interviewed with Ted Johnson uh, last Friday, former New England Patriot. He was a coworker of mine for a while on radio. He's back up in New England. He won three Super Bowls with the Patriots. He was an awesome linebacker, an old-school linebacker, an old-school 3-4 defense inside linebacker, just an awesome guy to talk to. Interviewed him on Friday. Of course, I didn't ask him a single damn thing about Antonio Brown. 
And of course, within the next 24 hours after I got off the phone with Ted, Antonio Brown would release that video. Antonio Brown would get cut by the Raiders. Antonio Brown would become a New England Patriot. Then within the next few days after that, it would become apparent that Antonio Brown was named in a lawsuit in which a former employee alleges that he sexually assaulted her three times, including a forcible rape. Nasty, nasty business right there. So we'll leave the Antonio Brown stuff aside. Suffice it to say, I had a great interview with Ted Johnson. And it should also suffice to say that it is football season. You want to be able to watch your local games when you want to watch them. Maybe you've cut the cord. Maybe you're on the bus and you've only got your phone. Maybe you're at work and you've got a little spare time. Whatever it might be, the NFL on CBS is back. And you can stream your local game live every Sunday with CBS All Access. It's available across all your favorite devices. Simply do this. Go to cbs.com slash Seth to get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. Try it this weekend, especially if you have some event that came up or you couldn't get out of and you want to watch your team. Watch your local team. It's not blacked out for your device when you have CBS All Access. cbs.com slash Seth. Now, our interview with Ted Johnson. I told you guys all about this guy in the intro, but I'll tell you a few more things now that he's on the line with me. This is Ted Johnson, who was with the Patriots when they won their first three Super Bowls. But most importantly, this is Ted Johnson, who when I was in Jacksonville and was a young player, I used to see Ted Johnson in interviews, and I'd think to myself, this is a, as a young man who is already playing in the Professional Football League, oh, when I grow up, I want to look like Ted Johnson. I gotta, I want to have a I want to have a neck like Ted Johnson. I want to be like a like an actual NFL linebacker. Is that is that fair to say, Ted? Do you think you're the prototypical you're the prototypical late '90s, early 2000s inside linebacker? Yeah, yeah, but well, it's it's good to talk with you, Seth. I appreciate that intro. But it's um, yeah, I, I you know what I my the way I played the position and um, yeah, I think just my size and stylistically speaking, it's um, it's a thing in the past. It just is the the Mike linebacker is what uh, it, I was called, and, and it, it's basically strong inside linebacker. And I, I grew up in a three-four defense. And any you know football, you know junkie knows you know three-four defense. It's a two-gap defense. It's very physical. And so you need you know kind of stout, more stout inside linebackers. And so you know I was a bigger prototype for my position, but I um, I grew up taking on guards. You know two-gapping and fullbacks and. And so I was a, I was bigger for my position, considering uh, what they what they look like now. It's more space game. It's smaller guys. It's more about uh, pass coverage than it's ever been. And so uh, I appreciate that. Seth. my neck became, believe it or not, uh, I'm back up here in New England where I played for ten years. That is kind of what I. It's funny. Um, John Madden, uh, the great John Madden, yeah. is what kind of he put my neck on the map when he talked about it in, uh, in Super Bowl. Uh, against the Green Bay Packers back in 1997, so a lot of people know me as for my neck. But so, yeah, that was this. That was my this was my weapon. My head, cement head, Ted, Ted the head is what I was called by a couple of teams in our division. I found out later after my career was over, and I, I made I've made a career out of basically, um, you know, hitting guys with my head and uh, and being able to shed blockers. So I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a thing of the past. You just don't see linebackers built like me or stylistically uh, kind of play the run like I did anymore. 
And that's just because the game's changing. It's just a different game than it was when, when I played. That's true. You used your head the way a Samoan guy can use his head sometimes. You have a, you have a Samoan <laughs> head on you where like a Samoan guy will, yes. a Samoan guy will hit you and you're like, what the <laughs> hell just happened? And then smile at you. I mean, I played, I grew up in Southern California, right? Where, I mean, where I, I was um, in, in, in Carlsbad, California, where my rival high school was uh, Junior Seau's high school. I played with a lot of Samoans. He, you know, Oceanside, California, there's a lot of uh, Samoan football players and just tough, 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 tough. And, but just a little bit, you know, the football players I knew, a little get a, cr- a little crazy in them too. And uh, some of the best teammates ever, man, were my Samoan teammates for sure. You and I were on Seth and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is like a once a week show when I first came back to Houston. You and I were both getting into radio. And yep. I love talking to you because I used to prepare like 30 questions or topics to talk about in the course of one hour. And we'd maybe get to three of them because because yeah. you have a really good ability to bring me back to remembering what it was like and really kind of jogging my memory for what it's like being out on the field. And I would imagine now that you've been back in Boston for a year, is this what you're doing now? I mean, you're telling a whole lot of stories about those infant days of the Patriots being really respectable. And is it does it get old at all? Does it ever feel like you're a, like a rock star playing the same songs all the time? um there is there is a little bit of that there is it's it's funny moving back you know i um i'm treated very well by the fans and i i say that a lot it's just weird they it's this is a pro town okay it loves its pro sports teams and you know the the good thing for me seth is i'm associated with being there at the beginning and helping start what is let's let's face it a, a dynasty and a you know a, a rate of success in in a in a short amount of time that you will never see again i just think the, the dominance over the last you know 20 years is unlike anything we will ever see again and so you're put into a certain category by the fans they look at you a certain way which is very great it's very humbling and i, and I appreciate it um but uh, yeah, it can it can get you know there's you know you're out of the game 14 years and you're still kind of talking about the same stories and the same situations in the same game. Can it get um, a little bit um, you know sometimes old? Yeah, but at the same time, you're always grateful for the fandom and for the support, and they absolutely just love love that team and love the Patriots. It's 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 funny, Seth, when I got here. In 1995, the sports landscape was so different. It was by far and away a Red Sox town. Like in the Patriots, were I'm not even kidding. Back in 1995, were the were the last team as far as popularity scale goes. I mean, it was definitely the Bruins and the Celtics in front of the Patriots, and it has completely changed. It is an absolutely, totally, 100 percent, without question, and second place isn't even close. Uh, a Patriots town, and so. There's a lot of great opportunities that come for guys like me, um, you know, media-wise and otherwise. But it, it can be at times a, a little bit too much. Um, thank God I was I was a good player, man. I was a solid, solid player, and I'm and I'm and I'm well liked in this town. But I can't imagine it if I was, say, Rob Gronkowski, oh yeah, or you know, or Tom Brady, where literally it's it's really it's it's too much for them to live here. And, and have a normal life. It's just, it's that crazy of fandom. So 
uh, it, it can go both ways, but where I'm kind of vacillate, um, definitely a tier or two below them is not a bad place to be. That's it's the perfect place to be. And I didn't ever get to experience the championships that you did, but that amount of celebrity where football fans, like actual football fans recognize you, but not random people that have seen you on a car ad or on the, the nightly news or whatever. That's a nice place to be because people come up to you and they actually, mm-hmm. they're, they, they, they want to have a conversation with you. It's pretty cool. You, you talk about the early days when everything turned around with Belichick. I'm really intrigued by that because you see so many coaches trying to emulate the Patriots way, and whether it's Matt Patricia yeah. or Bill, Bill O'Brien or Brian Flores or whomever it might be, is there, is there something about, and I know the Patriots way is kind of an overused term, but is there something about the way Bill Belichick operates yeah. now that maybe was different in the early 2000s because he hadn't built this kind of legacy mm. and this, the, all these expectations yet? Yeah, I, I, we call it chill Bill. I mean, there's a, there's a term that we, we use in the Boston media where we reference, you know, Bill Belichick as chill Bill. And I, and it's, it's kind of uh, references just things where you see a shift in philosophy, a change in coaching style. He's not the hardo he used to be. Um, you know, he's, he's still, he's still an emotionless robot to some degree. I mean, he is, <laughs> he really, I mean, he's, he's, he's not, he's never really for the most part, at least indicated that he has an emotional investment in seeing his players do well. And I think Seth, you and I, I mean, we, I mean, who doesn't like that as a player? Like a, you, when you feel like his coach actually, you know, cares about, you know, gives, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, gives a shit about you. You know what I mean? He yeah. just, it's just never, ever, he just never exudes that. You know, Parcells did that. Uh, Pete Carroll did that. I'm sure you had coaches where it just felt like this guy actually is, is interested in seeing me do well. That's never been the case with Bill. At least that's from my perspective with anybody, but it feels like he's changed a little bit. Um, He's established himself. This culture is so established. I think everybody kind of knows what they get when they come here. Um, but he doesn't have to be that guy. Um, he, he's actually said this, Seth. He only wants to coach guys he likes. I mean, that was a jaw-dropping kind of statement for me uh, to hear from Bill because, you know, he, I, just, I don't think he ever thought like that. And so he, I think there's contracts on this team. That it, the old Bill, before Chill Bill, would have trimmed the fat, would have made cuts, would have made tougher decisions. Um, he's more, I think, apt to um, give compliments and talk up a player now in the media more than he ever was before. Um, I just think, you know, his record speaks for himself. Um, I think he's just getting a little bit softer uh, and, and a little kinder, believe it or not, Bill, as he gets older. And it's kind of good to see um, because, you know, it, it's, he doesn't have to be that cutthroat, calculating, um, you know, type of guy. I think to to still win at the highest level. So, um, Chill Bill is definitely in effect. He's I think he's changed a lot over the years. Um, you know, is there still a lot of that kind of ruthlessness? Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot more examples of him kind of not, you know, uh, being, you know, I think so stubborn or so. Um, just set in his ways. He's, he just seems to be a little bit more relaxed uh, than he's ever been. Um, and it's, I think it's good to see. And if you're a player playing for him, it's got to be a lot of fun to play for this version of Bill Belichick. I, I hear you say that. And I, I think of like what it's like when you see your father treat your grandkids way more lenient huh. than he treated you. Is there any part of you that is yes. a former player who's like, couldn't you have realized this 15 years ago that it, that you could have yeah. laid back a little bit? 
Yeah, I think it's funny. That's a that's a really good way to put it. You know, I think Bill was just trying to establish, you know, his his culture yeah. and his style of coaching, and he wasn't going to budge. And there was just so many things that he was rigid about. And I just look, I mean, you don't have like you, you kind of know when you come here. I mean, every I mean, all of us talk around the league. All those guys that play for Bill, they all go with the other teams in free agency, and they talk. Everybody kind of knows what it's like when you come here. Um, there's been some really great players, um, decorated players that have come here, realized, oh, crap, Bill treats me like everybody else <laughs> early on, and then left. I think if you're a free agent, I think you just kind of know now. That's just a, a known philosophy. If you go to New England, you're ba- have you seen how he treats Tom with his contracts? Have you seen how he, you know, just how he is? You hear all the stories. I think people know. So there's, I just don't think he has to be that guy anymore. And yeah. so you, you just, it's almost like it just runs itself at this point. Um, and so it's, but it's fascinating. It, it is fascinating to watch um, and pretty, pretty remarkable. I think Seth more than anything is to just see how teams haven't been able to solve the riddle. Like, let's face it. Part of what makes Bill Belichick so successful is the, I mean, just some of the product that's put out there. I mean, let's face it. The AFC East has sucked. I mean, it is, you, if you go 20, 25 different head coaches over the span that Bill's been here since 2000 that have, that have coached for the other three teams, oh my 25 gosh. coaches. And then, and then we, if you list out all the quarterbacks that have been the starting quarterbacks in this division over that same time period, it is it, you're just like holy crap. So for the for my my point I'm trying to make is the dominance has been unlike anything you'll see, but the competition has never been able to really um, consistently try and you know you know compete with the Patriots year and year out. They just haven't had a formidable kind of rival other than maybe the Steelers at one time, but the Patriots still dominate the Colts. Maybe when Peyton was there, uh, Denver, you know, to some degree, but for the most part, they have owned the AFC the last, you know, 19 years. I've got this image of Belichick coming to work with like a necklace made of the teeth of all the former AFC's coaches and quarterbacks around his, <laughs> around his neck. He's just psychotic. That's what's interesting to me. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm listening to Rob Gronkowski be interviewed by Ian Rappaport the other day. And Gronkowski obviously was banged up really physically the last couple of years. Now he's telling Ian Rappaport that he actually feels pain-free. He feels great. He's got no plans of coming back and playing, but if he did, he could be ready in a month. And I'm wondering, with that version of Bill Belichick you're telling me exists, maybe it's not as much of an obstacle of him, of him coming back. Are you guys talking about that a lot up there? Is, is Gronkowski coming back? Uh, it's a huge huge, huge topic of discussion up here. Huge. And partly is because Gronk has done a really good job of keeping us engaged (laughs) with that narrative. Yeah. I mean, he's, let's face it. He hasn't flat out. I mean, he kind of tiptoes around it. He makes jokes about coming back and, 
you know, and, and you know, but he always will leave the door cracked open for a possible return. So it keeps all of us fully on the line and, you know, thinking that maybe that's a possibility. So it, it keeps him relevant. I mean, let's face it. It keeps his name in the, in the, in the news cycle. And that's, that's smart. My feeling on that Seth is he has zero, absolute zero desire oh, to yeah. come back and play football. But here's the kicker. It's not that it's not, that he, he might be open to coming back and playing football. I just don't think he's open. I'm almost positive that he's open to coming back and playing for Bill Belichick. And it's, it's almost more about him being completely mentally fatigued for, for playing, you know, for, from playing for Bill Belichick than it is the physical stuff. I think it's way more of that. You know, he's a fun loving type a kind of, you know, that happy, like Labrador dog, just, you know, he just, he's just got that, that kind of personality where he wants to have fun at this point. He's already in the hall of fame. He's already got his rings. He's already made his money. So if he's going to play football, he wants it to be a fun working environment. And it's not a fun working environment in New England. I mean, I, I've said in Houston, I'll say it again, it's not, even when you're winning, it's not necessarily fun. And so, so even with Chill he's Bill. Not gonna have, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even Chill Bill, and, there, and there's not, look, he's, he doesn't treat everybody like Chill Bill. Chill Bill. I mean, he has his, you know, he'll have his moments where he, he's, you can just tell he's like from a team aspect, he just gives them a couple of days off at mini camp or, you know, he just does things where you go, okay, from a team standpoint, that, that's just a new bill. But there's certain players, I always feel like he's kind of really made it tough for them to, you know, kind of be happy and feel good about their situation here in New England. I think one is Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And one is Rob Gronkowski. Man. And it usually always factors around the contract. I mean, let's face it, Seth. You know, that's how you show respect. That's how you show what you, what you think you mean to a, an organization. It's really what you pay. And he's never, ever, ever, ever given Rob Gronkowski a contract that I think he's been worthy of where he just felt like, you know what? They appreciate me. They respect me. They're happy I'm here. It's always he's singing for supper. It's incentive laden. It's always he's always dangling a carrot. I just think Gronk just got tired of it, man. I just think yeah, it just was it got to a point where it's like enough, enough. And he plays games, I think, with Gronk a little bit around his injuries. And so Gronk, I just think he's like done mentally, done playing for Bill Belichick. Oh my gosh, you guys, you guys have so many fascinating storylines up there. We had we had the Clowney thing going on down here, and it was almost like when Clowney got traded away, there was partly the story about the weird trade. But I, uh, as a radio host, I kind of grieved the loss of Gronk uh, of of Clowney because it was such an interesting story. And you guys have all this intrigue that's attached to these championships. Oh, it's incredible. It's, the sto- the storylines are endless. Seth. It's never ending. There's always drama. I mean, the the one. Uh, Two storylines I'm fascinated by. And one, it actually has a connection to the Texans. I'm fascinated by the Nick Casario uh, issue. Oh. I just think the Nick Casario story is fascinating on so many levels. And it hasn't quite been resolved, right? I mean, his, his contract's up at the end of the year. In fact, it's, uh, I think it ends after the draft in 2020. But what's Nick Casario going to do? What is what is that relationship like with the crafts? I mean, the whole Jack Easterby and people – you don't know all the details. I mean, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, but it, you know, that storyline's fascinating. And then also the fact that really, they really gave Brady 
basically a one-year deal. Right. And at his contract is void after the season. He's never in his entire career ever had a contract situation where it's it's been set up where he's literally under contract for one more year. So it just it never ends. <laughs> storylines never end. It's, there's always fascinating storylines here. Do you do you have time to talk about Jack Easterby for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, ahead, all right. Ahead. So we know. <laughs> I love talking about Jack Easterby. For the listeners that don't know, Jack Easterby was a <laughs> yes. team chaplain for the Kansas City Chiefs up until about the mid uh, like 2013 or 2014 or so. After that's the right. after the Scott Aaron, Pioli brought him in there. That's right. After the Aaron Hernandez tragedy, murders, whatever. Belichick decides to bring uh, bring Jack Easterby, this team chaplain, on to be a team character coach. So he gets elevated to team character coach in New England. <laughs> then the Texans bring him whatever into, that means, right? So the Texans bring him in to be their vice president of team development. So he's a vice president with the Texans after having been a a chaplain like around the early 2010s. And now we're trying to figure out exactly what he does. And the best thing we can figure is he does everything. Like he, he tries to streamline everything. He advises Bill O'Brien. He advises, he talks to players on an interpersonal level, but it feels like he has his finger in everybody's pie. And we know that Jack Easterby went to the ring ceremony when the rings were awarded from this last Super Bowl. He was talking to Nick Casario, yeah. the the pro personnel director for the Patriots, right? And then everything blew right. up. The Texans fired their GM. They tried to hire Nick Casario. The Patriots accused the Texans of tampering. What am I missing on on the Houston side? What do you think maybe <laughs> we don't understand about Jack Easterby? I, that's, that's a great question. Here's, here's what I'll say is what I, I understand from the Patriots standpoint is Jack Easterby was a trusted confidant of Bill Belichick. And so Bill covets guys that he trusts. And I don't know. I haven't met Jack Easterby. My feeling is Seth, that if you met him, you'd be blown. You'd be impressed with him. Right. My feeling is Jack Easterby has one of these personalities that is an engaging electric dynamic kind of uh, personalities where the way he presents himself is just so like, wow, this guy is awesome. Like a, like a Tony and Robbins type. Exactly. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That's, that's a great way to put it. And so my feeling is that's why he's gotten ahead in life is he just knows people. He knows the psychology of people. He knows what, to, and he's probably a really bright guy. Now he, he left the pay. His contract was up last uh, after this past off season for the Patriots. And he, he decided he was going to leave to go to, to the Texans and on his way out, he made reference to the fact that he, uh, it was suggested or it was implied that he was not happy about the legal troubles that Robert Kraft found himself in mm -hmm. back in whatever it was in March of this year when he got, you know, he got uh, arrested or charged, excuse me, for uh, uh, an, an prostitution. Yeah. It was an aggressive massage. Right? Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And so he, he was, the word was that he was critical of that, that he took, took that, uh, you know, personal and that he was not going to basically work for an owner who, um, who, who behaved in that manner. And so you do that, you say something like that, you imply that you suggest that in a public manner, and there's going to be consequences to that. The crafts have far reaching power. 
And they, when Jack Easterby tried to, you know, recruit, I think, Nick Casario to go to the Texans, um, the Crafts, I think, played a huge part in making that impossible for him to do. And so I think that's kind of what the, you know, the, the reason for that Nick Casario thing not working out, him, you know, leaving, uh, you know, the, uh, the Patriots to go down there. And I find it fascinating, though, that it was – my feeling was it doesn't get to that point that it got to where the Patriots fire Brian Gaines the, a day after the ring ceremony because feeling is they probably were told that Nick wanted to come to Houston. So Nick Casario, you have to believe, wanted to go to Houston and get out of his contract here – but it says very telling that Nick wanted to leave here, right? He yeah. wanted to leave here and that he basically was, you know, maybe bullied or, you know, maybe there really is something in his contract that says he can't leave. Well, anyway, the point is he originally wanted to leave. He is not allowed to leave yet. He's still got to stay here until his contract expires after the draft. And so it's just, and I, so Jack Easterby, what is he? I don't really know. Honestly, the guy comes into the Texans as a character coach from New England, and he's given a ton of power. So my feeling is, yes, he's like a Tim Robbins type who's, you know, I don't know. He, he's, he's got, obviously, Bill O'Brien's confidence at a, you know, in, in such a short time. So um, fascinating to keep, keep track on that story. Oh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Well, thank you for exporting some of the drama down to here because it's gotten ever since Jack uh-huh. Easterby arrived GMs are getting fired Texans are getting charged with champering Jevion yeah. Clowney's getting yeah. shipped out of town hey Ted I don't want to keep you any longer really appreciate it man uh, I'm so glad you're doing well up there I love seeing all the work you're getting with NBC and everybody else and on the radio I love Toucher and Rich in the morning don't tell them I know they're uh, competitors but uh, really really happy to see you doing well up there man yeah, Seth, same to you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pumped for you. You can get ass down there. You always have. And I love that you're paired up with, with our boy Sean Pendergast. Uh, that's, I, I got ch- to check in on you guys and listen to your show. I'm sure it's, it's awesome. So continue success to you, Seth, and, and call me anytime, buddy. It's good catching up. Really glad I got to talk to Ted. If we ended up talking for an hour, we could talk a whole bunch about his personal life and, and his history. He's been very involved in research into brain trauma and and all of that and if you follow him on twitter at teddy j radio just an all-around good dude to follow in sports at teddy j radio reach out to him tell him that he sounded awesome on the podcast too that'll make him feel really good also please leave a five-star review or leave some words on the review on itunes and if you leave the words i'll i'll read them on the podcast or if you want to get a hold of me via email, just go ahead and give me at spain, S-P-A-Y-N-E, at entercom.com. That's my, that's my email from the man. That's the best way for me to know that it's serious and that I better read it. If you send it to my personal email, uh, it's not, look, it's not that I don't trust you with my personal email. It's just that thing, tends to, that thing tends to get pretty lengthy. I check the company email because there's a chance I'll get fired if I miss something on there. Spain at entercom.com. Hope you all have a great, 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 great day. This is my one weekly podcast. If I have time before I travel tomorrow, I'm going to try to record brief previews for this weekend. But you know me, my Dow. That's, that's not a promise. That's a promise that I'll think about doing it. And then maybe lo and behold, as you're driving home tomorrow, it'll pop up on your iTunes page, on your Stitcher page, whatever it might be. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 